I'm Anya. And I'm Ashley, and this is the ANA Podcast, where we talk about Jesus, apologetics, theology, and more. We hope to provide a biblical perspective on issues facing young adults today and pray our conversations will draw you closer to the heart of Jesus through each episode. Welcome to the A&A Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the A&A Podcast. This is Ashley and I'm not joined with anyone today. This is going to be one of my two solo episodes of the summer. Um, Anya and I have had quite the time trying to align our schedules. This summer, and so we just thought, hey, why don't we do a few solo episodes and see what happens? Kind of fun, kind of a little bit cringe of me. I feel so weird just like talking into this microphone with like no one on the other end, but you know, live, laugh, love. Um, so disclaimer this is actually the second time <laughs> that I've recorded this episode. I um, had everything like edited, ready to go, like it was in the you know, it was, it was ready to go, but I was just, I was just not happy with how it turned out. and. I don't know. I, I want this episode especially to be like very clear. I think there's a lot of, oh, I should maybe say what I'm talking about today. I'm going to be talking about Christian relationship, Christian dating and relationships. Um, so yeah, there, it's, this is going to be broken into two parts. The first one is going to be kind of rough, like a rough out, outline of it is going to be what does the Bible say about Christian dating relationships? And then the second one will be more of like how does this practically play out? Um, so that's going to be more of like a Q&A originally I was gonna like have my so I served as a youth mentor for like a year and a half um at at my church but I'm like moving because I'm getting married also I realized that when this episode comes out it'll be the day before my wedding kind of fun um so that's just really exciting but anyway I digress my youth group girls were gonna come over and it's gonna be this whole fun thing to have this like little get together on like Christian relationships and dating and we're gonna have a good conversation but it never happened because I'm literally horrible. Um, so, yeah, it just didn't work to have everyone over. And I'm really sad about it because the, I've literally wanted to have them over for like six or seven months, which is like really ridiculous that I haven't. So if any of my youth group girls are listening, girls, I'm so sorry. Um, come visit me at my new home, please. I miss you guys a lot. I really do. It, it was It's so fun hanging out with you guys on Wednesdays and also outside. But anyway, so <laughs> this is all over the place already. I just decided to record this. Um, maybe it'll help some other people. Maybe it won't. But I thought it might be a valuable resource to have. I know, like, when I was in high school, I was searching out all different types of things. Because, like, I, not that anyone doesn't, not that people don't talk about relationships in, like, Christian circles because they do. But, like, there's lots of different voices. And some of them are good, some of them not so good. And so I, I think, like, I scoured the internet and read books. And I don't know. I, I, I got some good things, I got some bad things, and um, I think my heart in this is just to, like, share what I've, what I've learned, but also, like, what God's Word says over all of that. Um, I want to be really careful as I go about, about these episodes to differentiate my opinions, because I will be sharing those, um, but I want to differentiate those from what Scripture clearly says, because you should always go back to what Scripture says. Um, if what I say does not line up with it, throw it out, um, but go back to Scripture. Wow. <laughs> that was a lot to say. Um, if you also, if you hear some, like, weird noise in the background, my printer's going. I'm currently printing 275 um, lyric sheets for my, my wedding program, so they're they're way in the back. Um, but, 
yeah anyway this is I'm sorry about all this banter I don't know <laughs> I don't know how to do this by myself one more thing before I um, go into the Bible verse and our prayer for this I want to say that I'm not perfect that might come as a surprise I'm sure I'm just sure that everyone just thinks that I'm perfect which <laughs> not true one bit and also that was sarcastic if you didn't pick that up I am not perfect. I am as sinful as the next person, if not more. My heart is deceptive and gross beyond all things. Um, so I, as I, as I give you this information, I want you to know that I'm not, I'm not, I'm not bringing this to you um, from a place of like judgment or disdain or like I'm not on my high horse or anything. Like I have fallen short. I think Mike and I would both agree that we've fallen short in some areas that we wish that we wouldn't have. And the thing with that is that we need to be driven back to the cross. And so I want to share these truths with you, um, but know that I struggle too. So it's not like we're in this together. We're in this together. Um, So I just want you to know that. Not that it would, again, not that anyone thinks that I'm perfect, but I just don't want it to come across as like this like, oh, this uppity girl is just trying to give me all this advice. She thinks she's so great. No, I don't think I'm great. I know that the Lord's word is great though. So anyway, with all of that, our Bible verse for today is going to be kind of a cliche one, but cliche is cliche for a reason. It's Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, and these verses say, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Um, I'm going to come back to this verse uh, for some of the quotes. Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity to sit down and record this episode, and I just pray that whatever is said would be honoring and glorifying to you, Lord. Help to clear my mind and um, help it to be focused on the task at hand. If there's anything in this episode that I say that is contrary to your word, Lord, would it not um, penetrate the hearts of the people listening? Um, But I pray that hearts would be softened through this and that we would um, be able to take an honest look at all of our lives and see where we've fallen short, Lord. See where we are in need of your grace and mercy and help us to run back to you. I thank you for everyone listening, and I thank you for this day, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. All right, let's jump into it. Um, so why should we even care about how we date as Christians? Why does it matter? Why can't we just go about what the world says? Um, it comes down to this. We know that Jesus died for us. He died in our place. Be- because we are sinful humans, we needed a Savior. And he came down, and he, he died for us, and he loves us. And because of that love, because we have been saved— <laughs> Our, our place in that cross was taken by this God-man. We desire to do his will, and we know that he knows best. And so looking at Proverbs, um, Proverbs is considered wisdom literature, which is just what it sounds like. It's wise writing. So it's a bunch of, like, basically bullet points of wisdom. Boom, boom, boom. Um, and the Bible the Bible's full of this wisdom. And so if, if Jesus died for us and we know that he knows best, then we ought to look at, at the word. So when we when we look at this conversation, what I what I want you to do is I want you to take everything that you've learned about dating or that you know about dating, um, that you've heard from culture or like different areas, and I want you to throw that out the window, completely throw that out the window, okay? Because <laughs> much of what what we have learned and what we see is not biblical at all, and so I I think it's important for us to kind of have a clear palette when we're when we're going into this, and that's it's really hard because we're we're all steeped in our own culture and so obviously there's things that are already in our minds and ideas um but we before culture we need to go back to god's word because again what's what god 
what God's word says is truth. Um, and so as we take a look at this, just clear your minds of all the gunk that you've seen. All, all, maybe even, maybe you're dating now. Maybe even clear your mind of what you've thought about dating your significant other now. Okay, that was a little bit tangential, but not really. So, if, if I'm sorry, this is very cyclical, but just stick with me, okay? So, the Bible has wise teachings. It's full of wise teachings. The whole thing is wisdom. Um, so, what does the Bible say about dating specifically? Um, it doesn't actually mention dating. So, there you go. That's the whole episode. Nothing to say. See you next time. Okay, I'm obviously totally joking, and that was a stupid joke. Um, but it doesn't mention dating because uh, the mainstream idea or what we would think about think of dating as actually came about um, only like 100 to 120 years ago. So it wasn't until about the turn of the 20th century, so the 1900s, um, that people got together the way that they do now and got married. Um, but before that, getting married involved courtship that was usually directed by family. So um, it was often not romantic as we'd see it today and the more lovey-dovey romantic dating relationships didn't exist until that that turn of the 20th or the 19th century so up until about 10 seconds ago the goal was always marriage it was never dating so I think now when I look at it dating is just like it's considered this like journey with no with no set like no set destination like we're just kind of we're just kind of vibing we're just on this road trip to nowhere that was that really wasn't the case until a hundred years ago. Before that, it was like, no, we're getting together to get married. Like, courtship is the the journey to marriage. So it had a very specific purpose. Um, so going back to the Bible, obviously, if this is a relatively new invent invention, air quotes, um, during biblical times when the Bible was written, dating wouldn't be mentioned because they that wasn't even a thing. Like, it wasn't even thought in anyone's mind that you just like get together with like this person and you just like like test the market I don't know I don't know what I'm trying to say with that but it's not it just wasn't a thing um actually when the bible was written it was a it was a very patriarchal society so women were kind of seen as under men um in a lot of different ways and in in marriage a woman would move from being under her father to being under her husband on that note and as an as an aside the biblical image that is given of men and women is actually very countercultural in marriage as well. It's countercultural now, and it was also very countercultural when it was written, just in a different way. Um, I'll get I'll get to that in a little bit. So, anyway, the way that marriages worked was more like a business transaction than anything else back in that time. Um, so, if the Bible doesn't talk about dating, what does that mean for us? If if dating isn't specifically mentioned in the Bible, how do we how do we even begin to um what am i trying to say how do we even begin to take biblical concepts and apply them to dating if it doesn't mention that well even though the bible doesn't explicitly address dating it does talk a great deal about marriage and it the bible is also full of wisdom that we can apply to all areas of life every single area of life the bible is applicable to so the bible was not written in 21st century in the 21st century western world so there are a lot of Issues that are not explicitly addressed in the Bible. Um, some that I just thought of include like what college to attend, what what career path to take, how should we use social media, if rock concerts are okay or not. <laughs> That's like a 1950s one. And so on and so forth. But just because these 
aren't mentioned explicitly, like thou shalt not use TikTok more than 10 hours a day. Well, that obviously. But um, just because it's not explicitly mentioned does not mean that the Bible does not have wisdom for us to apply. So we need to take, we need to take that into consideration. Um, a lot of times, a lot of times you'll notice that more progressive Christianity uses that, that tactic to kind of like twist, twist biblical, biblical things. So they'll say, oh, the Bible doesn't actually mention that, even though the Bible is like clearly speaking to issues that are involved in certain, certain topics. So don't let anyone fool you in saying like, oh, the Bible, like it doesn't mention that at all. Like, no, don't, don't do it at all. Um, okay. Romans 12, one through two says this. Therefore, I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So this skill, the skill of looking at the Bible and gleaning wisdom to apply in all areas of life is crucial, crucial for believers. Again, like I said, you are going to encounter many arguments from people who say, well, the Bible doesn't actually talk about X, Y, or Z. Some issues that come to mind, again, include like abortion or living with your significant other before marriage or things like that. Um, but the idea that the Bible has nothing to say about these issues and many others is super, 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 super silly. I just want to hammer that in because it's the Bible is applicable for all areas of life. And I just want to drill that home. So in the Bible, or let me back up. For Christians, we often ask, oh, what's God's will for my life? And obviously in the Bible, there are many um, things that we can apply to our lives that don't actually say this is God's will for your life. But there are actually some verses that do say this is God's will for your life. And one of them, I think, deals really nicely with the topic of dating and marriage. So let me read that. Um, it's 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 8. And this, this passage says, It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lusts like the pagans who do not know God. And that is, and that in this, mat, oh my gosh, let me start that, let me, let me start that verse over. And that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all of those who commit such sins, as we are told, as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. Wow, powerful verses, even though I jacked up um, what they what, <laughs> the wording. But these verses are amazing. And what, what are they saying? It is God's will that you will remain free of sexual immorality, um, that you should be sanctified, and that you, you should learn to control your, your passions, your body, and not just feed into those passions like the pagans, which are just non-Christians. Um, that, that's what we would say today. This... this um, this directly applies to this area of life, of dating and relationships, controlling passions in every area. Right now, we live in a culture that's very, um, pursue your passions. Everything you want to do is good. We got to accept it. But that is directly in contradict, it is directly contradicting what this passage is saying. It's saying that we should be holy, that we should learn to control ourselves because of what God has done for us, that we should live in holy and honorable ways. Um, so what defines sexual immorality? What does that even mean? 
I'm going to get back to that, um, but we're going to continue on with some other verses. So, again, um, talking about dating and relationships, we know that dating was not made, or it wasn't a thing during biblical times, but it, it came about in the last hundred years. So, we're going to talk about marriage, which is what the end goal has always been. So, here's some marriage verses for you. This next set is Mark 10, 5 through 12. Um, in the context of this these verses jesus is responding to some pharisees who came and like basically were trying to stump him like oh is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife and this is what jesus says to them it was because your hearts were hard that moses wrote you this law jesus replied the law that you could divorce your wife but at the beginning of creation god made them male and female and this is quoting directly from genesis for this reason a man will leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife and the two shall become one flesh so they are no longer one but two so they're, whoa, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. When they were in the house again, so Jesus and the disciples, the disciples asked Jesus about this. He answered, anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman com commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. So again, I'm, you're going to be like, Ashley, literally just talk about one verse at a time, like one set at a time. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to jump to another set of verses and then we'll go back and talk about these okay okay so the next uh, set of verses is going to come from first corinthians 6 starting at verse 12 and extending to the end of the chapter so this was the corinthian letters first corinthians 1 and second first corinthians 1 first corinthians and second corinthians were written to um, a church in crease and this was basically like think of this as the las vegas of the um uh middle eastern world ancient middle east um basically sexual immorality ran rampant men would go to temple prostitutes and um do s some things with them when they would just like and they would just like leave their wives and it even talks about in either first or second corinthians how one man like literally married or slept with his his dad's wife like things were things were jacked up there and so this is what this is um in that context this is what paul has to say to this church let me find it, beginning at verse 12, extending to the end of the chapter. It says, Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God will destroy them both. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body. But he who sins sexually sins against his, his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Okay, so let's talk about these two sections, Mark 10 and 1 Corinthians 6. So they both quote actually the same passage from Genesis. Um, the two, they're no longer one, but but two. Or, my goodness, they're no longer two, but one when, when a man and a woman come together in marriage. So what is, what is the Bible saying here? From the beginning, marriage was supposed to be something that brought two people into one. 
they were supposed to, it was supposed to be a thing, like a covenant that um, could not be ripped apart because God, God instituted and God brought them together. What God has brought together, let no man separate. You'll hear that in weddings repeated over and over and over again. And so um, going back to Mark 10, what Jesus is saying is that Moses gave us, gave the law to these people that you could divorce your wife because of how hardened their hearts were. This was not God's intent. God's intent was always one man, one woman in a covenant relationship, the covenant relationship of marriage, um, together until death do them part. And so what Paul is saying, it, it goes off this too. The body is not meant to just fulfill the lusts and passions of our hearts. It's not, it's not, we're not just supposed to sleep around with whoever we want and do whatever we want with whatever because we are members of Christ himself. And what, what the Lord instituted in the beginning was one man, one woman together. And let no one separate that. So when we look at dating relationships, um, a lot of what our culture says, most of what our culture says, is that the other person is just there to fulfill fulfill your desires. You can you can just sleep with them. You need to test the waters um, before. Like, what if you what if you're with someone and they're just not good for you in marriage? What if you're not pleased in marriage? Um, and all these different things. And they're so body focused. They're so in contradictory in contradiction to what these verses in first corinthians are saying that the body is not the body is not a slave to this the body is part is united with christ so as christians what does this mean well this means that sex is reserved for marriage and that it should be between one man and one woman in the context of marriage god joined a man and a woman together in marriage and that is that is where that should take place. Um, one misconception that is actually very prevalent is that the Bible is crude or that it's um, against sex. <laughs> that it's like, I don't know. It's it's a big thing right now. And I think, um, honestly, purity culture has played into this too, where we see sex as almost this like bad, dirty thing. Um, but in marriage, this is a gift. Sex is a gift. Um, and so when I... Sorry, sounded like a train was going by. <laughs> and so when I talk about this, I want to be very clear that the Bible is very pro-sex in marriage. Sex in marriage is a great thing. However, outside of those bonds, it, that's not for sex. <laughs> and so when we look at dating relationships, sex should not be a part of that. Um, we should strive for holiness and for sanctification in every single area of our lives, including this. So I guess what I'm trying to say is what sexual morality is, is sex inside of marriage it's a gift given to adam and eve in the garden even before the fall god tells them to be fruitful and multiply even before the fall get that keep that one in your brain um sex is a sex in marriage is a blessing given by god it's not dirty sinful or shameful it's a beautiful gift that serves as a picture of the gospel between husband and wife and like i was saying the bible is not crude song of solomon is a poetic book that chronicles a couple from interest through the wedding night and let me tell you this it leaves little to imagination <laughs> Um, Jewish boys were actually not allowed um, to read this book until they were either 30 or married because of how in-your-face sexual it is. <laughs> so um, all this to say God is very pro-sex in marriage, and we need to lay that down first before we talk about sexual immorality. Um, sexual immorality is this, any sexual activity that falls outside of the marital union. So sleeping around or having sex with your longtime boyfriend are both considered sexual sins. They're both considered sins. Um, if it is not in marriage, God is not for it. He is for sex in marriage. 
1 Corinthians 7, which is which comes right after um, what I read, is all about marriage, and it goes to talk goes even it even goes on to talk about sex in marriage. A close, deep romantic relationship between a man and a woman is designed to be within the confines of marriage. This is why dating is tricky. Dating should be a way to get to that. It should be a way to get to marriage. Dating should not be the end all, nor should it be dragged on and on and on. So if you're involved with someone romantically, you should be working towards figuring out if this person will be your life partner. You should not date just to date. Um, My opinion is if dating is to get to marriage, then we should date if we're in a place to get married in the near future. Now that could be, I'd say within three years, but that's kind of arbitrary. It could be, you know, I wouldn't say, oh, I'm going to date in middle school because that would be silly. You're not, if dating is to be working towards marriage, you can't get married in middle school. You can't get married in the next three years. Um, I, I'd even venture to say dating in high school is a little bit dicey too because is it um, realistic to get married soon? Um, that's, again, my opinion. When you're in a dating relationship, emotions run high (laughs) and other things do too and that's natural because the lord created us this way again he created sex and he created that for marriage but when we're coming together in these close relationships when we're just dating that marital union isn't there and so again sex outside of the marital union god is not for that god is for sex in the marital union um we just need to be careful not to let not to awaken love before it's time. That's what the Song of Solomon says. Don't awaken love before it's time. So we shouldn't place ourselves in situations that are going to awaken that love before before um, we can be in a place that is healthy for us to engage in that. I don't know if that made sense. Um, that was a lot of rambling. I don't know if it made sense. Um, <laughs> I hope it did. That was going to be part one. Oh, I also want to say this. There is no judgment. There's no judgment for falling short because, you know, we're all sinful, broken humans who are in need of God's grace. And so if you're listening to this and you're like, man, I think there's some things in my life that I've fallen short in. I've done things with my boyfriend that I regret. I've conducted myself myself in ways that I'm not proud of. I want you to know this. There is always room for you at the foot of the cross. You can always run back to Jesus and be cleansed. He loves you. He cares for you. When you fall, he wants you to go to him. He doesn't want he doesn't want us to be all cleaned up and then come to him. He wants us in our brokenness, in our mess. He wants us he wants us to come to him in everything. So, my friends, if you're if you're struggling with that, um with that or anything, go to Jesus because there is forgiveness. There is forgiveness and there is total cleansing. Our purity does not come from if we've had sex or not. It doesn't. And I think that's another thing with um, purity culture is it's saying like, oh, I'm staying pure until my wedding, which indicates that sex is a dirty thing inside of marriage. Or that if you've had sex outside of marriage, you're less pure than the next person who hasn't. No, the Bible says that all are wicked. (laughs) It doesn't matter if you had sex or not. All are wicked beyond comprehension. And all are in need of Jesus, okay? We've all fallen short. Without Jesus, we are condemned to hell. So run to him, run to him. I promise that he loves you and he says it in his word. He loves you no matter what. And when we fall, we go to him. We ask for forgiveness. We turn around and we try again. (laughs) We try again. And when we fail, we run back to him. And we we confess, we repent, we try again. We pray for sanctification. We pray for holiness. And we pray that the Lord would release us from the bonds that sin holds us in. Um, So as you go from this episode and as we 
transition into the next one, I want you to have that on your mind. I want you to know that Jesus loves you, my friends, and that um, there's always room for you. There's always room for you at the foot of the cross. Go and be sanctified. (laughs) All right. I love you guys. I'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the A&A podcast. Have any topics you'd like to hear discussed or questions you'd like answered? Find us on Instagram at aapod2022 or send us an email at aandapod22 at gmail.com. Again, that's at aapod2022 and aandapod22 at gmail.com. You can tune in to the A&A podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, and find links to listen on our Instagram page or on our website. Please leave a like and comment so that others can find this podcast and get connected to Jesus. May the Lord strengthen and guide you today and always. And we can't wait to see you on next week's episode of the podcast. Yeah, woohoo! <laughs> <laughs>